Cheers to another episode of the Wine Notes Podcast. I'm your guide, AJ Weinzettel, on this journey of stories showcasing the people behind the wonderful world of wine, where we dive into conversations ranging from terroir, viticulture, to favorite music, superpowers, and more. Please enjoy this episode of the Wine Notes Podcast. Andy, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, this is going to be fun. We get to hear about Capers Cafe and we have like five blind wines that we're going to go through here. This is going to be interesting. Blind tasting is always fun. Gets it, you uh, down to your roots and humbles you and uh, it's just it's just fun. It, it is absolutely fun. I, uh, I know when I was here about a month, month and a half ago, you know, we talked about this. And uh, I have to tell you, I've been rattling my brain of like what wines to bring. So hopefully uh, I have a couple that you haven't tasted before and, you know, it should be pretty fun. I hope so. That's the joy of wine is it changes year to year, you know, from person to person, you know, winery to winery. So, you know, I, I look forward to it. Okay. Uh, well, let's start off with one blind wine and then we'll get into some story. Sounds good. Okay. So this first wine. Uh, so when we talked about this uh, before, we said that uh, we're going to just do Oregon Chardonnay. Mm -hmm. And so obviously we know it's Oregon Chardonnay. And that's like it. We don't know anything else. That's the parameters. All right. Well, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Hmm. Wow. It's got a full body nose. Yeah. Definitely. Yep. Yep. The one thing I will tell you about this wine is I definitely know beyond a shadow of a doubt, you know, the winemaker. Oh, I do. You know, the winemaker. Okay. On this one. Well, that's fun. Now, what winemaker do I know that's possibly doing a side project or, or something, a, a private label or personal label or something? Yeah. You know, I try to give you some hints. So, you know, right. Yeah. Mm. Nice mouthfeel. Mm -hmm. It's got that, that full body, almost a little bit of that, that caramel flavor. It's, it's beautiful. Nice long acid finish. So this is obviously a winery you like and enjoy. Yes. Yep. I, yes, all, yes. My two wines that I brought today. I both enjoy very much. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what else to say. I don't want to give it all away. <laughs> this one smells like it's got a little bit of age on it, a few years. Doesn't feel like it's uh, fresh right out of the gate. Oh, and I know the producer. Now that's making me rack my brain. Well, I know, I know. I try a little bit. Um, as we, as you kind of contemplate a little bit, I think when we talked about, you know, just bringing up Oregon Chardonnay, it's Oregon Chardonnay is, you know, kind of making its self known more and more in the Valley. Absolutely. I think it's, uh, I think it's, uh, if it's not already, it's going to be right behind Pinot Noir. It's going to take over for, you know, as a second, 
uh, largest produced grape in, in the valley and someday might even uh, dethrone. Dethrone. Ooh. But that, that's going to take some time yeah. because uh, there are some places that just make beautiful Chardonnays and they're starting to see some uh, Chardonnay only houses. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's, people are willing to pay for it. People know it and um, it's just going to get bigger and bigger. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. And believe it or not, it's ageable. Oh, so ageable. I, let me see. Last year, Halloween timeframe, I think I had an 03 or an 04 or 05 organ shard. And it was just absolutely mind blowing. And just to see the color in the glass of that, I was like, oh, my goodness. Years and years ago, I had a organ Chardonnay, Montenor. It was 1989 winemaker select. And this was probably about five or six years ago. And I thought this bottle was going to be absolutely shot. Right. It was a equivalent of drinking a really nice white burgundy. It was mm. absolutely beautiful showing fruit, nice, long, uh, long finish minerality. It was absolutely amazing. So, wow. And that was, you know, kind of one of those unicorn bottles. Right. I, I can only imagine. All right. Do you want one more hint about this wine? Sure. The, uh, the winemaker is Isabel Mounet. Huh. Isabel Mounier. Okay. So. This isn't, uh, Lavinia. It's, it's not Lavinia. Nope. Nope. Okay. I wouldn't No, That's, that's too obvious. <laughs> I was, was going to say that would give it away, but. Right. I mean, um, I know that you've had Lavinia, so I'm not going to. I'm not going to give you a, a Lavinia. Right. Right. I'm not sure what other projects she works on. Well, she has a Lazy River project. Right. Right. And this is not Lazy River. Okay. Are you ready? She doesn't do anything with like uh, Elizabeth Chambers or anything? No. Okay. I mean, I, I don't know if she does, but this is not anything with Elizabeth Chambers. Okay. All right. So let's the, see what it is. I'm, I'm stumped on this one. The first wine is a 2020 Anahana Vineyard from Obain. Obain? Excellent. Yes. You know, so that is um, Andy Lytle's project. Mm -hmm. I've had Obain before. We've uh, actually sold some at the, the at the airport, but okay. uh, not this vineyard site. Oh, okay. Well, so, I, at least I got something. Absolutely. That I didn't have, yeah. In 2020. So it's still, uh, it's still a baby. It's still a baby. Yeah. 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 Uh, when I talked to Andy Lytle about this, he was very happy with, you know, um, with this bottling because he was like, oh, it just drinks like Chablis. Mm -hmm. And he was just over the moon about it. She's uh, an amazing winemaker. She is. Love what she does. So. Well, before we get into the next wine, let's talk about Capers Cafe a little bit. Okay. Just how did it even come into existence and like, what is, what is the backstory? Well, yeah, I grew up with my father, uh, pretty much owning a delicatessen pretty much my entire life. Um, before Capers, it was, uh, Anderson's out in Beaverton kind of by Jesuit high school. And so, you know, the food wine side of things has pretty much been in our blood. You know, I've been surrounded by it my entire life. Right. Um, 
my father, uh, you know, being born in France, you know, a lot of what we do when we get together as family members is, you know, we either go fishing, we'd, uh, you know, along the way we'd forge some mushrooms and then we'd, you know, stop and maybe pick some watercress. And then from that, we'd go home at, you know, one or two o'clock and we'd start cooking dinner and, you know, you'd have to buy a few things to supplement, but, uh, right. it was a family affair. And then, you know, we'd all sit around the table after dinner and play cards and have an after dinner drink or something like that. So, um, growing up in, uh, the food business and being surrounded by it, it was, it was inevitable. Um, in 1991, um, that's when they got into this place and, uh, started it with 12 employees. Right. Um, it was just this, uh, the front part of this building and, um, we've grown from there, um, started in the airport in, uh, I joined the company in, uh, 95, um, just as, you know, needing some help and jumping into the business. And then, uh, after working front of house, back of house, and then managing here and doing caterings, you know, all weekend and everything. So, um, we started in the airport in 2002. That was a fun, fun little project. It was a insane undertaking and, you know, we weren't quite ready for the amount of traffic that the, uh, uh, airport had to offer. Um, but we, you know, got with it real quick and, um, that's when we, you know, we making everything from scratch and, um, opening as few cans and boxes as possible and getting good local Northwest products. Um, you know, every year, uh, as soon as Chantrell mushroom season hits. We go through about uh, 1,200 pounds uh, just in fresh forage mushrooms to the airport doing, wow. you know, omelets and uh, Caesar salads and on top of burgers and pretty much, you know, they're everywhere. Right, right. Um, and then, uh, you know, once they're gone pretty much in November when that first frost hits, then uh, we try to find something else, you know, a good local Northwest product. But we live in such a fertile area, it's pretty easy to do. Yeah. No, that's, that is amazing. Yeah. So, um we started in the airport in 2002 and it's been just cranking ever since. So, wow. So you have locations in the airport. Uh, you have this space here, which does catering. This does catering. We also do, uh, wholesale products for the airport. We also, uh, kind of support the volume that goes on in the airport with, uh, all the products we're, we're making here. Wow. And you have like, a mobile like food truck or something too, right? We've got, uh, one of the largest food trucks in the city. It's a 36 footer, um, kitchen on wheels. Holy cow. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's basically to support our catering. So when we go on site somewhere, we're able to cook the food and produce it fresh right on, right on somebody's table. So, wow. um, rather than have to bring it from one location to the other, we're making it to order. So it's fantastic. Holy cow. Okay. So when, when did wine like enter into the whole picture? I, it's always been in the picture. Okay. I mean, okay. we're, um, it really started to become a big part in 03. Um, when, you know, we had, uh, a bar, uh, at our facility there, um, in the airport and, you know, the demand for good wines in this area is, is huge. People want local, people want Oregon wines. And Washington wines to either enjoy, take back with them, share with other people wherever they're going. Uh, so we just 
jumped in on that and I slowly started from, you know, eight wines by the glass to um, pre-COVID, we were at 56 wines by the glass. Holy cow. Uh, yeah, it was, it was crazy, but it was absolutely fun. And that ranged anywhere from $6 a glass to $30 a glass. So and we rotated our, our menu pretty quickly uh, on wines. And we offered probably about another 140 wines by the bottle um, on site that people could take with them. And we were doing demos and tastings for people. And you'd have some uh, regular customers come up and say, hey, what are you pouring today? And we just taste them on a couple of things. And wow. next thing you know, they're buying a glass, maybe a bottle to take with them. So very nice. Yeah. People love to talk about wine. It, it is such a fantastic little topic. Oh, is there any, uh, do you have any hints on like, you know, buying a bottle at the airport and then like putting it into like a, you know, another container so you can like sip it on an international flight? Uh, no. No. Okay. Maybe off camera. Right. <laughs> You're not supposed to do that part of things. But yes. Yeah. Even though people do. Yeah. No, I, I, I've heard stories. Right. No, that's, that is, that is cool. Um, I want to talk more, but we got like five wines. Yeah. Let's, let's. All right. Let's do another. All right. Do you want me to do my second one here? Let's, let's do this one. Let's try okay. this one. All right. Now you get to stump me. Hopefully. It it won't take much to stop me, I'm sure. <laughs> so as you pour it, it looks, you know, like it definitely has some age onto it. It has that golden hue. So I'm I'm going to go that it's a little bit older just by kind of looking at it right off the bat. It does have age. It's beautiful though. Just like, whoa, look at that. This was a wine that we picked up in the airport. Um, again, pre-COVID, and it was a much younger wine at the time. And uh, the first time I tasted this, I was just blown away by it. I absolutely loved what it had to offer. And uh, there was a couple sitting down. They wanted a really nice bottle of wine. This was probably more out of the price point that they were looking for. But I talked them into uh, purchasing this bottle, and they shared it over a meal and had to come flag me down and tell me how much they enjoyed that bottle with the food and just absolutely loved it. So it's a fun bottle of wine. You know, that's, that's one of the things I really enjoy about wine is you correlate a bottle to a memory. I mean, you've had so many bottles. I've had quite a few bottles, but like those little memories just stick out so much. And I love that. Absolutely. That's why it's so important to go out to tasting rooms and go have that experience um, with whatever winery that is. And then it just helps solidify that, that bottle, uh, into your mind with that experience mm -hmm. or do something outrageous when you're sharing it. Wow. Yeah, no, I'm just sitting here thinking about it and just taking it all in. There's. There's so much to, to take in about this wine. I mean, yes, you, you know, just seeing it in the glass, you're, you know, this is a special bottle on the nose. It's, um, uh, oh, which is, it, it, I have a very difficult time describing a nose, but you, you get it, you smell it. 
And you, you know, even if I was not to see this, I'm like, this is not a young Chardonnay. It's absolutely uh, older. Um, it's still showing beautiful fruit. It's got a little bit more, uh, more body to it. Um, it's got some, the acid on the back is just so, so pretty. So just silky and just kind of dances. I, I would agree. Oh, uh, and even with this being a little bit older, I still think this has age to it. I mean, with all that, with the, that acidity backbone. Do you want to take a guess at the year? Mm-hmm. Man, I mean, it's just, this is just a shot in the dark. But I'm going to have to guess either like an 08 or an 09. Not quite that old. Okay. It's a 10-year-old. It's 13. It's a 13. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Okay. I can, I can see that. Um, ooh, producer. Oh, <laughs> uh, I, no clue. This valley is getting so popular the state uh is getting is you know the amount of wineries here growing and growing so it makes this type of thing a lot more difficult it and does so many producers making phenomenal wine um that's probably the hardest part about what i do is when i'm selecting you know wineries to feature or pour there's a lot of great wines to choose from and just like you you know being in this, the wine industry type for so long, right? You make a lot of friends. Yes. And you want to represent them all. <laughs> yes, you do. So, oh, you know, so I'm thinking I'm going back to 13 and like, who is doing a phenomenal shard at that point? You know, um, you know, Cameron comes to mind, Bethel Heights comes to mind, Bergstrom comes to mind. Oh, uh, you know, I'm just going with, you know, some, some of the stables back in that era. Oh, uh, but those seem way too obvious. It's definitely one of the, the founding families of the Valley. So you're going to say like Adelsheim? Close. Um, Erie? Irie? Also a good guess. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I, I had, um, I'm running a blank right now. Are you ready? Sure. Oh, I should have. What was I thinking? Good gosh. Sure. Avalana Chardonnay. Wow. That is a gorgeous bottle of wine. It is a gorgeous bottle of wine. It is. Wow. Well, thank you. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, wow. Yeah, it's, uh, it is amazing to see, um, like where Oregon wine has started and where it's at and kind of where we're going. I mean, with, with Ponzi itself, I mean, they're entering a brand new chapter of life. Oh, uh, and you know, even so with, uh, 
you know, the, the partnership with the French and then, you know, Rocco getting a partnership with the Italians. So did Domain Roy. Lingua Franca. Lingua Franca. I forgot about Lingua Franca off the top of my head, but yeah. yeah. And then you have the French, uh, like, uh, resonance coming in and, right. you know, just producing some amazing stuff. So obviously there's, uh, something to be said about what's going on here. There is something, uh, and kind of with that. Oh, are there like two or three producers that come to the, the top of your head that are, uh, lack of better term, they're kind of in the, in the underground a little bit, that they're not too popular, but you're like, Ooh, they're going to be like rising stars. Let me think about that one because okay. there's, there's always quite a few, um, that are kind of, uh, whether they're. Whether they're new or have really decided to, you know, make a big push as to what's going on, there's, um, there's definitely a few of them. Right. Um, I know I like some of the stuff that uh, uh, the guy from uh, Roots is doing. Right. Right. Um, and there's one that's just south of the valley. I can't remember the gentleman's name, but he is producing some amazing fruit and he's still just kind of getting out there but he's all natural he's right you know, using goats to you know service the land and stuff and he's doing some pretty cool stuff that sounds fun yeah i gotta think of his name though okay that's fine so you know just to kind of for me i one of them the, the there, there's multiples and i'm like oh they're so good right um but i think one of the producers that are really uh caught my attention this year is open claim mm. They're out near uh, Salem. Yeah. Winemaker is Tony Reinders. And that, one, it's an amazing experience when you go out there. You're one-on-one -on -one with a chef. There's only one tasting at a time. You're greeted with a glass of champagne. And you have a four or five course meal with a private chef. And that's the tasting? That's the tasting. You know, that's one of the smartest ways to do it. Yeah. Um, and when you do something like that, you know, talking about creating the experience and, and making it memorable, that's, that's what they're doing every time they're doing something that, uh, not many people are doing. Um, it's, you know, it's the equivalent of when you used to go to Soder and they'd be walking out to the parking lot with a glass of bubbly before you're stepping out of your vehicle. Right. You remember that you talk about it. Yeah. So that's, that's fantastic. I'll, I'll definitely have to make it down there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is really, really nice. And I love what Tony Randers does. Oh, he's, he's a great guy. And yeah. Um, yeah, he does private label stuff for us as well. Oh, so, amazing wines. Yes. I totally agree. Um, all right. On to the third wine. On to third. Actually, oh, I don't want to pour this out. Oh, Good how about luck. if I set this over here and then I. Left. Absolutely. Because that's quite something. I want to see. I, I do want to see how that kind of evolves in the glass. Yes. Okay. So my second wine. Um. You know, it's. I have to. I'm. I'm thinking about what what wine it was. I'm like, ooh, what what wine was this? Did uh, you forget? Off the top, at this very second, yes, I did forget. Um. This one's very oh, different. I remember which one. Yeah, I remember which one this. Um, 
So, wow. I love that nose. Gosh, oh, this, a little bit of that savory quality. This is one of my favorite um, Chardonnays in the Valley. I mean, there, there's a lot of favorites, but there, this one is definitely in like the, the top three or top five. Wow. Um, and, uh, the winemaker is also the person that you sit down with the tasting. He, uh, does it all. Wow. Oh, uh, I think he, I know he has, uh, two sons that, you know, help him out quite a bit. Uh, he used to work for a, a bigger, you know, producer. Uh, this is, I'll say it's Dundee Hills fruit. Okay. And let me see, what else can I? So you're almost oh. leaning towards that, uh, with the story, the Beaufrere side of things, but it's, yeah, it's not, not it's, Dundee Hills. It's, yeah. It, this is not Beaufrere. I promise that. Oh. Um, and I talked to, uh, somebody, we were talking to Oregon Chardonnay and I told them, I like this Chardonnay better than, uh, double zero. That's a big statement. It is a big statement, but that's, you know, that's my personal preference, you know, and everybody has different opinions and different likes and dislikes. And I, I, I enjoy the heck out of this one way more than I do double zero. That's full body. You get like a little bit of that chalk tannin grip, little savory notes, got good fruit. I can see why you like this one. Yeah. And I, I think why I like it is because you do, you get all that fruit, all that savory, but it's lean, you know, it not immediately do you get all that acid and you're like, whoa, mm -hmm. it's just lean. It's clear cut. It's. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed the heck out of this. It almost reminds me of like Walter Scott, but I don't believe they have two boys. No, no, that no. And I will say it's not Walter Scott. Right. But it's right in that style of like. Walter Scott or Big Table Farm or Flaneur, or you just want to keep going back for more. Oh, yeah. Because it's just delicious. You could enjoy this by itself with some food mm -hmm. huddled in the corner because you don't want to share it. <laughs> Something. Oh, uh, trying to think of other hints to give you. So I'll say that. Uh, before the project that he's at, he was at Archery Summit. Okay. Um, his vineyard is pretty darn close, you know, to Archery Summit. Uh, there was a bunch of walnut trees on the, on the property, you know, that he, you know, cleared out, but he has one big prominent one right in front of the winery slash tasting room. Okay. Uh, 
you know, and just, uh, the winemaker himself is an amazing guy. He likes to run and, you know, during 2020, he built the, the winery, uh, you know, by himself with the two kids and, uh, uh, his mom came out to the winery and kind of like took pictures and, you know, kind of, um, not journaled, but I, I don't know. I can't think of a better word right now. It's a white walnut, is it? It is a white walnut. There you go. That, uh, has been a winery I've been following and we've poured some of their Pinots and their labels are absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. And I love what they do just on the side. It's a completely descriptive way to kind of paint the picture of what you're tasting. It's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love what Chris is doing with these wines and holy cow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, great choice. Well, thank you. Yeah, I agree. That is a beautiful bottle of wine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a person in our group went and visited White Walnut. And he was like, oh, my freaking goodness. You've got to go out and taste Chris's wines at White Walnut. He's like, they're extraordinary. They're amazing. Like, go, go now. Yeah, and he's definitely one of the places their Chardonnays are... I don't know which way I'm going to say this. Their Pinots are just as good as their Chardonnays. Yes. And vice versa. The wines are sound all the way around and they're just fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. If you can't find something you like there, then Oof. yeah, there's yeah. problems. Yeah. No. I, yeah. No, I, I like what, like I said, what Chris is doing. Yeah. Well, good job. You got, well, you after, after enough hints, you know. All, all right. right. Um, so we were, we're talking about Oregon Chardonnay, but I have to bring up Oregon sparkling. Oh, mm. uh, it's just, I, oh, just speechless. Oh, uh, I'm curious, like, where do you see Oregon sparkling in like three to five years? Yeah, Oregon sparkling obviously is just pretty much exploded. Um, and I guess it depends on how long, uh, Roland is going to stay in the, the neighborhood because <laughs> when everybody was making it, you know, I know he was getting a lot of phone calls of, Hey, got a question for you or, Hey, can I pick your brain? And, right. um, he, you know, still to this day makes one of my absolute favorites. Uh, the, the Rocco, um, RMS is delicious. Um. I see it definitely being, uh, you know, a mainstream piece on the list because, you know, when you're sharing a, a beautiful memory or an occasion, everybody loves the sound of, of that cork exiting the bottle. Right. It's and, like, oh, right. It's an attention grabber and just a great way to put a kind of an exclamation point on, on whatever, um, event is going on or just a meal. Right. You know, you know a, a Tuesday night meal. That's all. Absolutely. Yeah. But, um, you know, there's so many producers making it and, um, a lot of them doing a really good job and doing them really well. So, um, I just hope it keeps going and, you know, Oregon's such a collaborative, uh, 
state when it comes to the wineries and stuff. They just keep getting, making each other better and better and better. Yeah. So if that's possible at times. I, I, I think it's possible. And um, I've seen pictures of Harvest, you know, so far this year, uh, Hazel Fern, they're going to do a sparkling. Uh, one of my favorite producers, Audayant. Yes. Uh, I pretty sure that they're going to do a sparkling. Maybe not. Maybe they didn't pick this year. I haven't got confirmation on that one yet. I love his wines. I almost thought about bringing you, you know, the Chardonnay, but I was like, nope, I think he's probably tasted that. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's a great wine. It is. So, oh, uh, and then, uh, Jessica West from Approachment slash Harper Voigt, mm -hmm. they're going to do their, you know, a sparkling for Approachment. Oh, uh, and just so many people are like, yeah, we got to do sparkling. I just know with uh, like Oregon sparklings and stuff, the price points are, are pretty high. Right. Um, there's, I think, only a couple producers uh, that I can think of that do kind of that, that friendly price point bottle. Uh, one being Tony Rinders doing the, the Child's Play uh, right. sparkling and then um, Trisadum. Yes. They do a wonderful uh, sparkling rosé that's usually friendly price point. So Yeah. It, it, and kind of on that point... Uh, uh, geez, uh, radiant, you know, so Andrew Davis, you know, he, you know, definitely hit on something, you know, d creating radiant, um, but like Benza out in, you know, the Hins Hillsboro area, they're making sparkling now for multiple people. Uh, and then, uh, Brian whale, you know. Opened up that new facility and uh, Kate Payne Brown is there. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I'm kind of keeping my fingers crossed that, you know, the price point for Oregon sparkling is going to come down a little bit because it is expensive to produce. Right. But you know, like with it being easier and easier to produce and getting more people, I'm kind of hoping that price point comes down. I think it will. Um, you know, after time, you, you've kind of got to you know, make some of the money back from all the, uh, equipment and, you know, how long the whole process of making it right costs. But, uh, for some people it's a labor of love and they're like, you know, forget the cost. I'm going to do it regardless. Yeah. So you know, yeah. that's, that's what makes it fun. Yes. I totally agree. All right. Here we go. Here we go. All right. So this one is a little, definitely younger than the previous one. Um, You know, I have to feel sorry for the people listening to this via audio and they're like, what's all the dead silence for? Right. <laughs> Don't they, uh, isn't there like uh, some sort of aroma vision that they can. I can't wait for that technology. Right. Yeah. That'd be great. What you got to be able to do is actually, uh, somehow brown bag a couple and get them to, uh, some followers so they can enjoy some live. That would be great. That would be a lot of fun. That would be a lot of fun. Something else I think would be fun would be, uh, something doing something like this, you know, live and being able to pour, you know, for a few other people at the same time. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 
That would be a blast. That would be a blast. Just the, the logistics of that. I'm like, cool. Mm. Wow. That is, uh, that's not your typical Chardonnay. No. The gentleman that makes this wine, he's kind of a one man show. Okay. He's a fantastic, fantastic guy. He's uh, hilarious. He, is a chef as well. Okay. Um, but he spends all his time making wine and, uh, enjoying life and, and such. So, right. Oh my goodness. That's the, I, off the top of my head, I can't think of a one man show winemaker that is a chef that well, spends all of his time making wine. What, uh, what I in really enjoy about this is just the complexity in the waves of different experiences you get on the mid palate and on the finish of this wine. Uh, I, I gotta take another sip just so I can uh, refresh my memory. To me, it starts off with some of that fruit. When you get to that mid palate, it starts to show a little bit of that kind of that acid, um, that citrus note, and then it just kind of, uh, you know, envelops your, the back of your tongue and just, yeah. And it just keeps going on and on and on. And, you know, the acidity level on that is through the roof. So, it, I mean, it easily has 10 to 15 years easy on it. Um. And I would venture to say there's not much oak on this one, if I had to take just a guess. I think he does use a little. Right. But uh, I'm, I'm not sure what his uh, oak program is on this wine. Yeah, no, I know. Um, I would have been shocked if you would have known. I've, right. I yeah. think he uses a lot, of, a lot more neutral. Right. Than anything. So, but it's always been a wine that I've absolutely loved. Any guesses? Oh. Uh, give me like a, a hint of an AVA. Um, this one is um, Appalated Dundee Hills and Willamette Valley. Okay. Dude. Let's, the winery is lo located kind of by uh, Domain Roy. Area. Okay. Kind of uh, around the corner and up the street. Taking a left or coming, taking a right. <laughs> Which way? Come up. <laughs> Out of the parking lot of Domain Roy. Right. Oh. Uh, you know, I'll just take, I, 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 so I, I have to admit, I know next to nothing about Cameron. Next to nothing, mm. right? Oh, it's not Cameron. Okay. But I'm oh, a huge I, fan of yeah. everything uh, yeah, I've, JP I, does up there. I've heard amazing things. 
Okay. So is, so is the winery located, uh, on Warden Hill road or just like you come up to like a four way stop and you kind of take a ride and for about two or three more minutes. You, uh, uh, you take a right and go up the road uh, a couple of minutes and you're, you, you're tasting in this gentleman's house. Yeah. This is Mo. Absolutely. And okay. Now here, here's the funny thing. I thought I had a Mo Chardonnay because I saw that you are a fan of AU and I was like, oh crap. Yeah. No, it's a 2016. It's gorgeous. Uh, the wines that he makes and I, and I love Mo. Oh, so I was looking at, you know, the, you know, what wines to bring. And I, I didn't notice that you're an AU fan and the one bottle that I have, that's not a Pinot, he calls a Blanc de Noir. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's not Chardonnay. Darn it. So close. So close. So close. Uh, but this is, I think this is the first time I've had his Chardonnay. Really? Yeah. I highly recommend going up there. He's. You do have to make an appointment and such, but he's an amazing guy. You know, he lives on the land that he's pulling from mm -hmm. and, um, you know, he sets out some cheeses, he pours you some wines and, you know, the guy's got a great sense of humor and he's just. You know, he was, uh, an engineer in California for the longest time and he was going back and forth between winemaking and such. Yeah. And, um, he finally quit his, his job so he could have a job in, in the wine business. So yep. it's yep. fantastic. And he's just, I love his wines. Yeah, no. And, uh, I've always been trying to get a bottle of his sparkling mm. and I haven't had that yet either. So it's, it's definitely on my list. I've had it a couple of times, uh. My brother-in-law has shared it with me, so. Oh, that would be fine. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so it looks like that, you know, you've been to the French Laundry. Yeah. And you've enjoyed that quite a bit. Have you been out to Okta in McMinnville? Not yet. Oh, okay. It, it's on my list. Okay. We'll definitely hit it. Uh, um, yeah, we did French Laundry uh, years ago with a trip to Napa and it just, you know, happened to, you know, all the stars aligned right. and we were able to get in and everything. But, uh, Okta is definitely on my list of places to go. I've heard nothing but great things. I've seen a lot of, uh, beautiful pictures that people have taken that just make your mouth water. And, yeah. um, yeah, it is, it is quite the experience. And the reason I brought it up, it was, you know, I, I was curious, you know, to compare the two side by side, because what I've heard hearsay is Okta is better. Really? That's what I've heard. I mean, wow. and I, I've been to Okta twice, blown away both, both times. Okay. Um, Ron, the sommelier there. Oh my gosh. He just, he takes amazing care of you. And, uh, you know, it's, he, he does a great job and the wines are fabulous. One of the wines I had, um, uh, the last time I was there was, uh, so you know that Walter Scott has an ex novo shard, mm -hmm. but ex novo also has their own label. That's and pretty new, isn't it? It is pretty new. And so he poured that shard for me. Oh my gosh. It's so good. 
Yeah. Walter Scott's Ex Novo has always been one that's I've kind of coveted because it's just so good. It is good. And I saw a screenshot today on um, Instagram of uh, Jeb Dunnick's um, organ report. And there was a winery that got a hundred and like within the top, I think like Walter Scott's Ex Novo got like a 98 or a 99. Jeez. And I think that was for the 21 vintage. Okay. Yeah. Well, I believe it. Yeah. Ex Novo is a beautiful bottle. It's also one of those that can age flawlessly. And you do have a 1.5 of it's probably from about three years ago that, yeah, I'm not going to open for a while. I've got a 1.5 and I got a three as well. Yes. Yes. Um, I think the three is getting opened, uh, in about a year and a half for my 50th birthday. Awesome. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, that's, uh, that's a special bottle of wine. It is, but that'll be a special occasion. So it will be, it will be. Um, so did you, in November of 21. Yes. You celebrated 10 years of marriage. Yes. And you like, like you look at Mo, you look at Hazelfern, you look at Hundred Sons, and you see all these husband and wife teams working together, you know, making an amazing wine, but most importantly, they're not killing one another. You do the same thing with your wife. What do you think the, the secret ingredient is to not killing one another and working day in, day out? Uh, communication and the little words of, I'm sorry, honey. No, <laughs> um, no, it's just, uh, mutual respect. Right. Is the biggest thing. Um, you, you never can lose that because after that's gone, that's, it's all downhill. So, um, respect, understanding, and, you know, every now and then you got to take a step back and quiet the noise and enjoy each other. That's, that's so, a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Enjoy each other. Go take a trip out to McVenville to Okta and there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Might have to make that happen. Oh, uh, I would not, I would not doubt that at all. Right. Um, so when we, we were talking about setting this up mm -hmm. and I was out here for a Josh, uh, Bledsoe McDaniels, uh, tasting amazing wines. Josh McDaniels is amazing. Drew Bledsoe is amazing, but you've like, you've been on their radar. It looks like for, for a very long time. Do you remember like, what was that nugget of like, Ooh, this is now on my radar and I got to check it out. So obviously, uh, you know, Chris Figgins and Drew, uh, grew up together and were good friends, uh, right. in Walla Walla. And so years ago when Doubleback was just getting started, um, Doubleback, Gramercy and Figgins, um, well, Leonetti at the time, um, did a tasting where they, uh, had a hotel suite downtown. And they invited select buyers and you went down to this hotel and they had the wine set out in various different stations. And you just kind of had a glass and you sat down and tasted the wines. Yeah. And 
Um, uh, you know, I'll never forget my, my father, uh, who was not big into sports and, you know, was born in France and, you know, football for them was soccer. Of course. And he had no idea who Drew Bledsoe was. And we're sitting there tasting the wines. And next thing you know, Drew sits down right next to me and he's like, say, so what do you guys think of the wines? And my dad starts describing, you know, the wines, how they're really nice. I, I like this and whatnot. And, you know, we're talking about the wines and he's telling us about them. Then about 10 minutes into the conversation, my dad leans in and goes, and who are you? <laughs> and I looked at him. I'm like, well, this is Super Bowl winning quarterback Drew Bledsoe. And he also makes double back. Right. Um, and Drew's a very, you know, humble guy. Yeah. And he just kind of introduced himself and kept talking about the wines. And the wines were, were really nice. And uh, then, uh, you know, as they grew and... Uh, Josh and Drew, you know, kind of grew together and we're creating these amazing wines. I mean, some of the stuff they're making, they're, they're doing, uh, they've got a small amount of, uh, Chenin Blanc, uh, mm. on the Oregon property. Oh, it's so good. It is so good. It's just, to me, that's another, uh, kind of, uh, you know, spice that they have in their cabinet when they do a winemaker's dinner to kind of add to, to the mix and. Um, we've just kind of followed them over the years and just loved what they've done. And um, for a while, we were uh, glass pouring uh, double back and a few other things out um, at the airport and just having fun with it. Yeah. You know, Drew would come by and he'd sit, check in and say, hey, how's it going? Good. You know, is everybody getting you taken care of you? I'm like, yeah, we're good. He goes, you know, can you sign a couple of bottles? He's like, sure. Signed a few bottles and, you know, went on his, went on his way. So that's... It, and it's amazing to have those connections and friendships and like, he didn't need to come by and like, say, Hey, how are things going? Absolutely. But he did. Right. Yeah. And you know, he's traveling, he's busy. He's, uh, you know, who knows all the other projects he might have going on and whatnot, but he does, he does take the time and he cares about the project and he's got a tasting room in Bend. That's fantastic. He's got great people working for him and yeah, and it shows. It does very yeah. much so. All right. We got one more blind wine. One more. Holy cow. This has been fun. Absolutely. This looks a little bit younger, but you know. 2016 for, yeah, for Mo's wine, I wouldn't have guessed a 2016. That's the thing about his wines and his wines just really hold. Yeah, they do. Oh, so I even hate to even venture what this might be. <laughs> this one's more just for fun. Okay. Yeah, this is completely different from the other two, from Ponzi and... Absolutely. Okay. Well, I like fun. Fun is always good. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, that one definitely, uh, 
you know, that, that tannin and brightness at your mouth. I'm, I, this one wants a little bit of food, a little piece of cheese. Yeah. That's it's, I, I call it just a racy, sharp backbone. That is just, it's still, it's still like going a million miles a minute. And I've, you know, I've, it's, you know, a good solid 30, 45 seconds later. And it's still like saying, hi, how you doing? Uh, I know I haven't tasted this one ever. Um, this is a, a, a unique Chardonnay and yeah, I'm glad that you brought it out for fun. Oh, holy cow. I don't even know where to go with this. This is definitely a, a younger wine. It's got um, fruit from uh, a coastal vineyard site and two, uh, two somewhat local vineyard sites. I don't know exactly which ones, but um, it's a family that is on second generation winemaker. Okay. Um, Obviously very, very local while I'm a Valley. Right. One that we have a great partnership with. Okay. Now I just need to look around the room and see what I can find. <laughs> hey, that's like cheating. <laughs> but I don't blame me. I'd do it too. Yeah. Oh. Uh, you know, so I'm, so I'm looking through, you know, some of the bottles that you have. I mean, you have some amazing bottles, you know, there's. Grand Moraine, there's Highland, uh, Domain Divio, uh, Cameron, yeah, um, La Source, you know, um, Soder, yeah, we, we built this room, uh, just before COVID and took over some of our event space. Right. And, uh, then just as COVID hit, obviously you couldn't do any more events. So we had to kind of shut it down and. Uh, and then during COVID, we actually took over more of this building and expanded our event space. And, um, now we're doing all sorts of events and, you know, anywhere from small weddings to, you know, parties, get together, um, after work events and, uh, having a good time with it. Yeah. No, I, there was and you, a sorority here last weekend, uh, doing a fundraiser and wow. Um, you know, it's just, it's just a fun, fun space to have. It, it is. And you, last year you did, or this earlier this year, you did the Kentucky Derby kind of get yeah. together. Yeah. It was our first ever Kentucky Derby party. Um, we had, um, a ton of wine, uh, some great bourbons to share, uh, doing some cocktails. Uh, we did some, uh, prizes and giveaways and it was a lot of fun. It was a good party. Yeah. I can only imagine. And unfortunately I wasn't able to attend. Uh, next year. Okay. All right. I'll be sure to put it down on my calendar. Absolutely. All righty. Any guesses? Ready for the reveal? You know, I, you know, I don't think it's anybody that I can see within this little range right here. I'm pretty sure of that. Okay. So yeah, go for it. So this one is mm. literally kind of hot off the presses. It's our uh, brand new uh, collaboration that we do with uh, Lang. That's, that's an amazing little wine. Yeah. We, uh, 
you know, started doing collaborations with Lang um, probably four or five years ago. And, um, you know, we meet with Jesse and taste through barrels and stuff and um, try to put together a fun little blend. And yeah. he's always um, a big proponent of, you know, it's, it's about the wine, putting a good product in the bottle. And that's what he does. So, yeah, no, this is, this is fun. Yeah. This is, this is very fun. Thank you for sharing this. This is, yeah, we're not, we're not seeing too many 22s right now. Not yet. Yeah. Not yet. Like I said, this is hot off the presses. So. Wow. Oh, uh, yeah. That's, that is amazing. So an Orgo, Oregon coastal vineyard. That's, I, I love those. They're so unique. They are. And I, you know, I think it adds a little different, um, you know, they get a little bit more of that cold, uh, you know, coastal air, uh, without being protected from the mountains and right. So it adds a little bit more dimension and it's just, it's fun. Yeah, it is fun. Have you heard of Lonesome Rock? I have. I've never had it though. It's good. Okay. It's good. It's, uh, uh, so Danny and his wife have been especially Danny has been in wine forever, but, uh, the owner of DuPont had a house and vineyard, you know, uh, about 10 minutes uh, away from Carlton, you know, more toward the coast. And again, a coastal type property, just right there on the edge of, you know, of the AVA. My gosh, I love his Pinot. Really? It is so good. Okay. It I have is, to write that one down. Yeah. No, it, it is absolutely good. And Danny, what a guy. I mean, he's just an amazing guy. I, uh, I went up to, you know, to visit him and he's like, Hey, do you want to, you know, take a stroll around the vineyard? I'm like, yeah, of course. Right. So, you know, he gets in the little green gator and he's just, you could just see the excitement and the thrill just in his body language and in his voice, just going all through the vineyard. That's amazing. It is amazing. And he just exudes passion for what they're doing. That's, it's phenomenal. It is. All it does is just uh, show itself and then result. It does. It does. Uh, so going back to Josh McDaniels a little bit. Yeah. I'm sure you're aware of this, but I got to ask the question. Did you know that he started his first winery at 16? I did. So then my next question would be, what if one of your two girls came to you at the age of 16 and was like, Hey dad, I want to start a winery. What would you do? Uh, I would tell them you better marry rich. <laughs> uh, that's one thing my, uh, dad always told me is if you wanted to make a, a small fortune in the wine industry, start with a large fortune. Yeah. Um, I know that there's some that, uh, hit it out of the park right off the bat. Um, but I know, you know, over the years I've watched a lot of wineries grow and I know that there's a lot of struggles and, you know, you're wearing many, many hats and you have uh, a 2020 vintage that might be decimate your entire year's work with smoke or the birds come pick it off and you're dealing with mother nature. So there's just right. so many factors that are almost out of your control. It's a miracle. There's so many wineries out there. It is a miracle. It's, you know, I don't know how they do it, but they, they do do it. And it's just, I, I love, 
being on the sidelines and watching it all. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Every now and then it's fun to, you know, jump in behind the scenes and help them out with a crush or being on the sorting line or, you know, something simple that's not going to affect the end results. Right. That's above my pay grade. Yeah. No, I don't want to mess anything up. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 It's fun to do that. So I ask, you know, a lot of winemakers this question, what, uh, what legacy do you want to leave for your, for your two girls? Wow. That's, uh, a... and I have to tell you the, the origin of this question, uh, came from when I interviewed Andy Lytle last year and just the plan that he has for legacy just got me like thinking about legacy and all that good fun stuff. So I'm like, you know, bringing it to everybody's attention. A legacy that's, that's, I just want them to, uh, you know, be happy, well-adjusted, have, uh, the decisions that they want to make in life be their choices and not because they have to, uh, pay these bills or do anything like that. It's, right. I want them to be able to choose what they get to do in life. That's basically it. Yeah. No, that, that is a good answer. Yeah. That's a great answer. Shall we revisit the the Ponzi and then do some rapid fire questions and get you out of here? Let's do it. Okay. Wow, this is going to be basically a jump back in time, going from the Lang <laughs> that's super racy and you know steely and you know to uh, yeah. I feel like I need to go like 88 miles an hour or something and go 10 years back in time. Right. That's exactly <laughs> it. Where's Doc Brown when you need him? Oh, that man can never die. He's got to stay alive forever. Mm -hmm. I could just smell this all day. Hmm. You know, if just sitting there working at the desk and just have a glass of this, swirl it and like, like, I would love that. The vibrance of this just amazes me. Just amazes me. This is what I love about wine. It's, um, uh, end of August, uh, for my birthday, I opened, uh, a 1975, uh, Mouton Rothschild. Oh my. And it was. I don't know if it was stored properly. I obviously didn't own it from. Right. You yeah. know, I acquired For 48 years. Yeah. Right. But, um, you know, the fill level was low. It, it wasn't, it wasn't looking good. Right. Pulled the core and poured the wine and it showed fruit. It showed life, acid, vibrant, and granite. It did tasted like you know, it's age, right? But it wasn't, it wasn't over the health. It was still a beautiful and 75 was not a good vintage for Bordeaux standards by any means. Um, but the wine over delivered for my expectations of it, which right. was fantastic. Wow. Fun to see. That is fun. All right. So I got some rapid fire questions for you. Okay. Let's do it. When you're in here kind of resorting, restocking the, the secret wine room, what artist, what music are you listening to? 
Wow. What artist? What music? Um, probably uh, Dire Straits. Ooh, money for nothing and get yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be good. More uh, Lady Rider. It's a great song. Okay. Uh, your favorite indulgent food? Escargot. Oh, you know, I, I, oh, I can't get somebody else to try it with me. I want to try it so bad. I, it's one of those that we made as a kid. So, okay. I understand that makes sense. Yeah. If you could choose a superpower, what would it be? Uh, probably to fly. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, normally I ask harvest notes are they digital or written, but you don't do harvest notes. <laughs> right. Uh, so the last book you read, it could be even be like a podcast or it could be something on audible or. The last book I read uh, was probably a Stephen King or a Michael Crichton book. Um, I'm always a big fan of, yeah, of those style. Yeah, no, I, I can understand. Yeah, or it could have been a mobster book as well. Those are always fun. Those are always fun. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, if you want, you have if you have any questions for me, I'll gladly answer. You know, I'll put you on the spot for quite some time. Okay. If you could interview anybody in the wine industry, what winery would it be? What winery would it be? Yeah, like from what winery? Anywhere in the world. Well, so my my first answer, and you know, I kind of hope I can accomplish this next year. It's not a winery, but I want to interview Jason Wise, the you know the the Psalm mm -hmm. movie series guy. Uh, but winery. Ooh, you know, and so I'm also trying to set up an interview with Carlo Mondavi. You know, that would be fun. Oh, I, oh my gosh, that is so difficult. Oh, that is like picking a needle out of the haystack. It is. There, there's so many possibilities. It, yeah. I, you know, I have to go with an answer that is impossible. Right. Because you, 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 you have the opportunity to take your choice. Right. Yeah. Oh, I think right now my answer would be David Lett. Ah, yeah, that would be a fantastic one. That would be a fantastic one. So outside of the U S what is your favorite wine region? Champagne. Oh, okay. That's second favorite. Oh boy. Second favorite, you know, Chateau uh, de Pop is great. Uh, Burgundy is great. Uh, holy cow. All the wine regions in Italy. I, I mean, good gosh, how am I supposed to pick just one? You, well, it doesn't mean you have to alienate the rest. It's just, I know, you know. I know. If you were to be teleported to one to sit down and have lunch and a glass of wine. I think if I had to like write this second, it'd probably be Amarone. Oh, awesome. You know, those are very underrated and I think under enjoyed wines. Yeah. All the process, the work that they go through, um, and they make these just brute forward wines that have so much character and body and 
So much yeah. fun. So much fun. I, you know, on that regard, I know nobody here in Oregon would go through that much painstaking process, but I would love to, if I had the ability and the finances, like take that Amarone process, apply it to Pinot Noir, I'd love to see what would happen. Well, you know, they're always playing with different uh, styles and, and, you know, now using uh, the big clay amphoras, amphoras yeah. and you never know. I, yeah, no, I, I would love to see that. The character and style that that adds is, is pretty crazy. It is concentration. Crazy. Yep. What superpower would you choose? Talking to animals. Talking to animals. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. You've thought about that one. Well, so that just recently came to me the other day. Uh, I was uh, watching an anime with my daughter and one of the characters can't speak to animals. And I'm like, I think that'd be pretty darn cool. It would be. Yeah. I mean, I would love to be able to talk to my dog. <laughs> right. My wife always wants a, a bubble to appear above our dog. So we, you know, know what she's thinking. That would be amazing. Wouldn't it? Yeah. That would be great. Unless, you know, you just discipline them or something and they're talking about about you. And all you see is a bunch of, you know, symbols in that bubble. <laughs> right. They're like, <laughs> that would be awesome. That would be awesome. Okay. All right. I think that's all the questions I had. All right. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. This has been a blast. It's been a pleasure. It's yeah. been a lot of fun. Yes. I appreciate I your time. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you again. Absolutely. All right. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you for joining me on this flavorful voyage through the world of wine on the Wine Notes podcast. I've been your host and guide, AJ Weinzel, and it's been an absolute pleasure sharing these captivating stories with you. But alas, like the last sip of a fine vintage, our time together must end. But don't fret, my wine-loving friends. The cellar doors of the Wine Notes podcast will always remain open, waiting for you to return and explore new conversations, stories, and musings from the captivating people behind the magical world of wine. Before you go, hit that subscribe button on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, and don't forget to leave a sparkling five-star review to help spread the word. Until our glasses clink again, remember to savor life's moments and let the spirit of wine and camaraderie linger on your palate. Cheers, and as always, may your wine glass be full, your heart be light, and your journey be delight. Thank you again. <laughs>